0: two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. No, don't worry. Hey, hey, welcome back to this episode of I Date Money. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, Wealth Activator, on a mission to squash financial illiteracy and help women become millionaires. Today, we have an awesome guest. She is a feminine embodiment and empowerment mentor with over a decade of experience specializing in helping women reclaim their feminine self authority so they can get to create the life they deeply desire. She's known for her unique approach to feminine energetics, empowerment, and no-nonsense introspective work that explores the root of trauma and core wounds in a person's subconscious with compassion and respect for each individual's needs. Her goal is to see every woman empowered in love and deeply fulfilled. Please welcome Safa Pardo-Hackman to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I told you before, I love your name. It's so beautiful. It flows so beautifully. I love the empowerment. You know, when I read the words, I used to be an empowerment mentor. Um, I, I changed my niche like three times. And I didn't like the kind of money I was receiving doing things that I didn't absolutely love. And I always say, my coach always says, well, that's because you weren't selling the results you have. You weren't empowered yourself. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Everyone kept asking me about finances. It's like, well, why do not you teach in that? <laughs> so I date money was born. When you think about your relationship with money, what makes you excited?
1: Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. It's such an honor and I'm excited. Um, And then what do I think? Okay, repeat the question for me because my brain did like a little getaway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you give yourself hypnosis?
1: (laughs) I did. I did. (laughs) I was just acknowledging because like you were talking about sort of the path that you took and the rebrand and everything. And I'm like, I totally get that because I sort of started that way. Like I started with yoga and I did that for a long, long time, still kind of doing that. Um, and then I kind of went into nutrition because I was scared. I was scared that I wanted to be a life coach, and I wanted to help women find their, like, sovereignty, and I didn't know how to how to verbalize that but also I wasn't fully there yet um so I totally get I relate to what you're saying and so my brain was like oh I get that and I forgot the question
0: (laughs) (laughs) well I certainly appreciate your honesty yeah well we're talking about money like making money in our niche and the gifts and the talents that we have what excites you about making money
1: Okay. So what excites me about money is the freedom that I gain from sinking my teeth into the receiving of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I grew up probably like a lot of us grew up with a lot of wounds around money. And for me, the relationship with money was very strained. It was something that didn't have a lot of intimacy that I could safely land into, or I didn't think that I could have that intimacy with it. And really, honestly, what ended up happening was through my own process of speaking of re-sovereignty or like re ourselves if <laughs> that could be like a word or a phrase like in the process of doing that in my own life I chose to walk away from a very toxic marriage that lasted like 12 years, ridiculous. And then in that process is when I really started falling in love with finances and with money and understanding the flow of it and receiving it as if it was like a lover. So for me, that's what excites me. It's the possibility of developing a relationship to that energy, Um, Mm -hmm. which is what also appealed to me whenever we connected. I was like, ah, this is my jam. I like this.
0: Yeah. And it's so important to have that relationship with money. And so many people get offended. They're like, what do you mean you date money? What what is that? I don't understand. And I'm like, well, if money was a person, what does your relationship look like? And we want to be partners with money. Money gets a bad rap, but money is just a tool. And, And I like to say, money is not a number. It doesn't like to be treated like a number. It wants to be loved and respected, and so many of uh, so many people can't hold on to the frequency of money. It's like their hands are sibs, and as soon as they get money, they pour it all into one bucket. And then the next day they're like, "I don't have any money. Where is it all? So have yeah. what has been your experience with your relationship with money? Like what's your earliest memory of meeting money?
1: Oof, earliest memory. That's a good one. I think that the earliest memory might have been a combination of two different types of information. On the one hand, I was getting told, oh, we can't afford this at home. Like this is like out of our, <laughs> out of our scope of reality. As a child, usually that's with like a toy, right? Like I probably wanted a Cabbage Patch doll. <laughs> and my family was like, no, we can't afford that. It's too expensive. And on the other hand, in the environment that I grew up in, um, I was seen as like a person who, who had very m- like higher means in school. So I was also kind of treated like, oh, but you're like the half. And so for me, it was an interesting upbringing because my relationship with money was like Dual. like on the one hand it felt like I never had enough and I knew that it was like sort of out of reach right it was like something somewhere out there that I couldn't get to plus it was also something because I also grew up religious so it was also something that everybody always shamed and made you feel like oh if you if you have this you should feel guilty or you are um it's up to you to make sure that everybody else is taken care of and it's up to you that everybody else gets what you have because they are less fortunate that kind of thing Mm
0: -hmm. and then
1: on the other hand I also had this perception of oh but I also have something that someone else doesn't and so I would get caught in these really strange loops on the one hand I'd feel like oh crap I have too much money and that makes me greedy and awful and just a terrible person. But on the other hand, I'd be like, oh, but I don't have enough money and it's never going to be enough and I can't get enough. And so it was a very, like such a weird dynamic, right? And for us, and I mean, my passion is really dealing with the subconscious. I deal with the questions that we often don't know how to ask ourselves that we need often a person outside of to be like, oh, but did you look here? To kind of bring that light into, into fruition. And so for me, dealing with that in my own subconscious was such a funny realization sitting down with those parts of self and having those conversations of deprogramming that of kind of really sinking our teeth into okay so here's the thing this was not your responsibility and there was a lot of coding around the burden of being sort of the savior for everybody else around you because of this and what that changed in your life and so having those deep conversations eventually started to unravel the little ball of subconscious beliefs that were very deeply ingrained in there from the very, the very early memories.
0: Mm -hmm. That's so important. I love that you work with the subconscious. Our subconscious is loaded with memories. And I always say our thoughts are the most powerful tool that we have. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the things, you know, the drivers on my, my website, there's a money dating game and there's seven archetypes of money personalities that we can interact with. And everyone's always like, well, well do I figure out which one I am? I'm like, well, you partner, you know, you're going to learn about which one you are, but you're going to choose the one you want to partner with. Like, who do you want to hang out with when you're thinking about that relationship with money? And I always say we have all seven of them in us, but there's a driver and that driver comes from our subconscious. And, you know, for me, it's, um, sell the spender. I love spending money. Like, oh, where can we, you know, spread the money around and, you know, gift Mm -hmm. the giver is my second favorite and giving gifts is so much fun. But when we think about growing up and the things that were taught about money, there really wasn't anything that we were taught. (laughs) My my Mm -hmm. grandma did teach me about the money envelope system, which helped me create the money multiplier system. But when you think about your upbringing, what were you taught about finances?
1: Um, you know, that was a conversation that wasn't very often had in my household. Mm-hmm. We, as a matter of fact, we, we talked about very, very specific things in my home. <laughs> there were some that just were never brought up. Money was one of them in the sense that it's not as if I, I marvel at my husband, for example that he really knows how to approach money in a very like healthy, sustainable way. And I can see that that is a reflection of his upbringing as well as like even what he learned in school, for example. Dude, like I, my school, we did not have any kind of classes around money or finances or any kind of like administrative way of honoring your money or anything like that. And at home, it wasn't something that we spoke about other than like to say, oh, we can't afford that or, Uh, to see my mom struggle with like wanting to buy herself something and not because she would rather uh, buy, I don't know, a book for school that, but we were able to get that anyway. It was just kind of like a self-flagellating tool regardless. So for me, those, unfortunately there wasn't a verbiage. There wasn't a full conversation around it. And there was a lot of fear and coding around um, really investing, which I think is so weird and so funny. And to, still to this day, if I use the word invest, because I actually feel like investing, we can invest in many different areas and in many different ways of our lives. So for me, it's that investment in self is one of the things that just is most worthwhile in our lives, that self care, that self expansion, that because at the end of the day, we are the person that we're gonna spend the rest of our lives with. <laughs> and if we don't take care of that person, then that person is gonna become intolerable <laughs> to us as well. So for me, that that is an investment. And so I laugh because even to, to this day, like if I have a conversation with my parents or my brothers, Um, And I say, oh, I'm investing in like a coach. They'll be like, oh, that's not an investment. You're just buying something. So there's that kind of that kind of verbiage around that. And I think a lot of that is changing, thankfully, Mm -hmm. Um, not just through through myself, which I think you may be able to relate to the idea of being sort of like a generational breaker, but Mm -hmm. also within themselves now that their lives have broadened a little bit more and there's that desire to get to know their own lives a little bit better. There's a bit more of a conversation. However, this is still one of those things that we just don't discuss. You know what I mean? Like it's still one of those things that, and I, I want to honor their own wounding and their own healing in their own way. So really, I don't say anything unless it's a conversation that I'm getting asked about first. And that's right. part of speaking of archetypes. I love archetypes as well. And I delve within the wants of the divine feminine. So that's part of my own archetypal structure that I like align with most deeply is the the wisdom of the crone where she is very just observing. And if she needs to point something out, she will. But for the most part, she's like, hey, you're in your journey and I'm I'm on mine and you heal your way and I heal my way. And that's cool.
0: Yeah. And we we are each designed uniquely. So we get to choose our own path and we get to decide like what works. So everything works, but it might not work for you individually, right? And Correct. I say that you know one of the things that I do in the wealth acceleration program is we design a wealth activation roadmap for you. And one of my clients calls it a treasure map. You know, we don't like the word budget. Budget is too restrictive. So we create terminology that helps us connect so that we can partner with money and, and hit those goals and what is it that you want to do? We create these money buckets and say this is why I want to do it, and this is what's driving me. And then when we don't, when we don't take the action step to get to the goal, our immediate reaction is to beat ourselves up. I don't know how many years I spent looking in the mirror, telling myself I was no good, I was worthless. You know, mm. and I, I racked up debt twice, filed for bankruptcy when I was twenty-two, and just felt like crap. I couldn't even become a wealth activator because of my baggage, and mm. it was like subconsciously. It was like this driver saying, you're not good enough. You you know, money burns a hole in your pocket, this and that. All these lies that I believed. And when I started to dive deep, I actually used art to tap into my subconscious. And I'm a certified aromatherapy practitioner. So using the power of breath and scent, I can go deeper, but you can't go deeper on yourself. I don't care how much you try. Too many blind spots. We're so good at hiding. And that's why it's so important to invest in a coach. And I like to say, like, Mm -hmm. one of the things people don't like to invest in are, you know, relationship coaches, whether it's for themselves or for their their mate or what have you, or financial coaches, because Mm -hmm. there's so much fear, you know, like, especially like if you come from a family who divorce is taboo. You know, you stay with that guy. you got to, you know, this and that. And like, what do you mean you're not managing your money correctly? Mm-hmm. You somebody. So these taboo subjects and like breaking that generational curse and saying like, you know what? No, it is okay to talk about this. I actually got comfortable with it. I I retired from the government, from the social security administration. And my cousin had told me that my seller, he goes, well, how much do you make? And I'm like, excuse me? You don't ask somebody how much money to make. <laughs> And he's like, why? It's public knowledge anyways. I'm like, no, it's not. He goes, Yes, it is, because you're a government employee. He goes, I can I can pull up, I don't even remember what he pulled up, and I can find out exactly how much you make. And I'm like, Yeah, prove it. <laughs> and he did, and all my coworkers and our full names with our with what we made the prior year. And I was mm-hmm. like, how Okay, I guess I know now. So that at that point, it never, never. I didn't care. I was like, who cares? So when I talk about being a millionaire, it's no big deal. But you know, before Mm -hmm. that point, oh, you can't tell anybody you're a millionaire because you you get all those people knocking on your door and you get the weird phone calls and this and that. But everyone gets to be a millionaire. Everyone has had one of my favorite things to tell people is if you're in the United States, you can go to create a, my social security account. So go to socialsecurity.gov, create an account. You can get your earning statement and see all the money that you've paid into the social security system. Mm-hmm. Add up all of that money. Most of you have made over 2 million, $3 million. Now what you've done with it, that's another story. <laughs> right. When <laughs> right. you see the numbers and you can see it, that visual of, wow, I have all this money. So when you think about it as being a being a business owner, you know, and your personal finances, what's the best visual that you have to connect with your money?
1: I will. In fact, one of the again, one of the reasons I reached out to you for like connection was that a lot of the verbiage was very similar to me. I have such a fervor. Um, I'm I'm such a passionate lover of life that I feel like every single aspect of your life needs to be seduced (laughs) and loved and courted and dated so for me I date and I seduce and I court everything and everyone. Like if you're my friend, if you're my family member, if you're like my money. So for me with my business, it's the same. My business, I court and I seduce my money and my business all the time. I sit down and have dates with them. I have conversations. I write letters. I will cry and sometimes get upset and be like, hey, you know, I feel neglected in this way. Let's have it out. So that is my approach to finances. And it, it's so interesting because it, it was also everything is always a process, right? And we have a lot of coding specifically around sort of the things that you mentioned. We have coding around anything in our life that we relate back to our self-worth, whether we see it or and understand it or no, right? So a lot of the reasons why we don't invest or we hesitate in investing. And are the betterment of ourselves, whether it's in relationships or money or even health. I hear a lot of time people I like, can't do that because it's too much money. And I'm like, but you're you're going to die. <laughs> like you need to do something <laughs> that is going to make you feel, you know, like bring life into your body. How much life do you want to live? But one of the reasons we struggle so much to tap into that affluence or to the desire to connect to those things is because the way that we relate to ourselves is so disconnected. We see ourselves as not worthy enough, not good enough. We see ourselves as too much. Too much is probably one of the biggest conversations that I have with women on a regular basis. That every woman, and this is like, understand that this is a very generic way of saying this. And I understand it's, it's not like an absolute, but a lot I will rephrase. So a lot of women have this perception of themselves that they are too much. Mm-hmm. that they are too hard to love that they are too uh too much of a burden onto a relationship too much uh too aggressive or too hyper independent and there's a lot of like too muchness embedded into the worth that we associate with ourselves which the funny thing is the inverse of that how it reads to our subconscious is as not enough mm-hmm and so it's like, we're kind of like how I was when I was a kid with the money, right? I was trapped between two worlds. It's this. It's the same with our subconscious and the relationship we have with ourselves. On the one hand, we're too much and it's duh, like everybody's rejecting us because, you know, we're just too much of this creature. But at the same time, internally, we believe that we are not enough. To fill that void or to change the narrative or to make people see that we are not really too much No, I'm actually this and I feel not enough the whole time. And so what happened is if I'm feeling not enough then Why would I want to? spend any kind of money invest any kind of money or time or Delicacy or care onto myself if I really believe that I'm not good enough then I then I don't believe that I'm worth The investment there's no ROI which that's like a phrase that I actually don't really like using a lot. But like, there's no, I don't perceive that there is going to be a return on that investment because I don't believe that I'm good enough at the end of the day. And I believe that I'm too much at the same time. So therefore, my wanting to invest in myself is at the same, at at once, too much. Like, it's too ridiculous. Like, why would I want to go and buy a Louis Vuitton? Or why would I want to go and spend money on a coach that is going to tell me, that like coach me in life that I already know how to do or I should know how to do it. I'm not good enough to figure that shit out on my own, that stuff out on my own. And therefore, I should just be able to pick myself help book and do it myself and do it by myself in my little room in the dark, crying my eyes out. And so it's like it becomes this really disconnected relationship with self. And to me, one of the most healing tools in that aspect is dating the self. Because it's like falling in love with someone, right? Relationships suffer because we don't invest in them. Mm
0: -hmm. We take them
1: for Mm -hmm. granted. We just assume that they're going to be there forever. We start putting a lot of the onus of our own well-being on them without taking responsibility and accountability for our own stuff. And then they start to crumble. And it's the same with our relationship to self. If I'm putting all of the weight of the world on myself and at the same time, not supporting, not nourishing, not conversing, not getting to know, not dating, cur- courting, seducing, then why would I love myself? Mm-hmm. That's like one of the things that I hear so many women also say all the time is like, I, I, oh, I do love myself, but let that scale go up one pound and come back to me and tell me if you love yourself the same way. Mm -hmm. you say you love yourself but jiggle your arms a little or show me your belly or you know what I mean like it's like such a weird thing and so it's like if you really love yourself you have the understanding that hey the acupuncturist is charging me two hundred dollars a session and I feel great now therefore that investment is valid that investment is making my life so much richer so much more supple so much more sensuous it's making it worth something amazing it allows me then to go and make my career better talk to my family like encourage my children and so it's like okay it's an investment but if I go back and I say I'm not worthy of feeling better and I have to put myself last right now And I don't think that I'm good enough anyway. And I don't really have a relationship to myself. Therefore, I kind of really don't care if stuff starts to fall apart because that's what happens when you grow up. Then I'm not going to care to invest in it because I'm going to see it as this like extraneous, ridiculous thing that I don't need to put money into. And so with business, it's the same. That was a very long winded answer.
0: (laughs) <laughs> no, it's beautiful, I love it and it's so true we don't feel worthy and we don't believe in investing in ourselves you know especially moms but they don't think twice about investing in you know travel sports or their husbands can join country clubs you know and go golfing every single weekend and when you add up all that money, you know it's like, wow, we've really dedicated a lot of money into investing in sports and things like that but the mm-hmm. woman like the mom will look at herself and say, well I, I can't do that. I know a lot of women who won't even get their nails done. It's like what? what do you mean? And when we think about it, like the dollar amount doesn't matter. I mean, if something's worth 12,000, 15, 30,000, that dollar amount doesn't matter unless you see the value in what you're investing in. And like you had said, creating that change, like how desperately do you want it? And tomorrow's not promised. I mean, you can, you can take your last breath. And if you saved all of your money and didn't enjoy a penny of it, what good is that? You know, yeah. I mean, I had my mother-in-law's boyfriend passed away a few months ago. He did not enjoy his money. When he was younger and healthy, He they used to go ballroom dancing, but they did very little traveling. They didn't have a lot of experiences and they complained constantly. Mm. The guy died, a multimillionaire. You know, he ended up donating a million and a half dollars to the Alzheimer's unit. And I was just like, wow, you lived, you know, he, he was around, I think he was 80 He might've been 90 years old when he passed away, but he was fairly healthy other than not being able to, his knees were a little bit, you know, he couldn't walk very good because he had, he needed knee surgery and he was petrified to get knee surgery. But I thought to myself, I'd known him for 20, 29 years and not once did I see him enjoy the money that he earned and he Mm -hmm. worked hard for it. I mean, he had a great career and he was very, um, you know, he was very good with his money, obviously. And I thought to myself, but he had money, he was rich, but he wasn't wealthy. And there's definitely a difference. So for you, what's the difference between being rich and being wealthy?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And for me, this is actually also the distinction um, with luxury and average. (laughs) And I say that word and everybody like cringes at me. But the reason I say this is for me, there's, there's the abundance of life has very little to do with a quantifiable, like I can touch this amount. Mm -hmm. The abundance of your life has a lot to do with who you are being when you show up for yourself. And the, the, the lived experience that you're having through it. If I want to just luxuriate in something, I don't always just mean, oh, I'm going to go to YSL and buy myself a bag. Sometimes that happens, but I don't always mean that. I sometimes mean I'm going to go outside and take a walk and let my body savor every moment. That breath, that connection to nature, the groundedness that you experience, the fact that you are not constantly worrying, thinking, like Stressing about the next thing and the next shoe is good, the the other shoe is going to drop. And the fact that you're not in that space, to me, that's wealth. Mm -hmm. That is abundance on a higher frequency than we ever could possibly understand. And to me, that's true luxury as well. Because there is that ability then to make every single aspect and every single moment of your life a moment of not just self-seduction like i always say but a a supple moment of luxuriant experiencing like that's what makes the biggest difference and i think a lot of that also has to do with the hearts that you bring into things i don't know if you've ever heard this or seen this but there's this idea of like you can always tell the difference between someone who has money and someone who has wealth depending on how kind they are
0: Mm -hmm. and for
1: me that is like such a true true bespoken way of like experiencing this is you can have all the money in the world and still be poor, still be very, very, very poor because of your mindset, because of the person that you are at your heart, because of your uh, connection to this world, to this life, to yourself. And yet you can be a trillionaire and have the most amazing heart in the world and be like the most wealthy person ever because of everything that you've poured into this lived experience. It's like you said, not only are we not guaranteed tomorrow, but think about, like, I think about, am I really done? Like, if I was Mm -hmm. going to leave this earth today... Am I really finished? And it's like, no. And for me, that like means that like there's still an abundance of something inside that wants to come out. There's, that is a wealth of something that desires to be experienced and uh, embodied. For me, the embodiment is such a big part of it. I think it's become sort of a trendy word, but it's really like such a big... The big way of, of being true, it takes it beyond just the surface level mind idea of, oh, I'm going to have money and I'm going to like travel the world, which is great. You can do that. And if you're doing that and you're not feeling fulfillment and you're not tapping into your replenishment and you're not connecting to your heart of hearts and feeling alive, you're still poor. Mm-hmm. And for me, that is the biggest distinction between them. It's like there is a keynote here. You want to be wealthy. You can be wealthy with a hundred dollars in the bank. You can be wealthy with a billion trillion dollars in the bank, but you can also be poor either way. And mm-hmm. it, so, it, for me, it's all about that energetic field and that conversation that you are having and that date that you are taking your money on. Are you going to go on a date with your money and treat your money like they are whatever? <laughs> like imagine going on a date with someone and you treat them like they're oh, this person. Like it doesn't matter. Like I'm just going to play by the seat of my pants or whatever and how do you really think you're going to get a second date out of that person no you're not your money reacts much the same way so if you treat your money in that wealth essence like you seduce it you talk to it you are uh basically salivating at your connection to it and not in a way of like and not in a gripey, I'm going to die without this kind of way, because I hate the word needy. I think that that we need to just like revamp that word forever now. But if you're just griping and like holding on to this as if it's your only like life, uh, life support, lifeboat, life vest, whatever, then that ruins it too.
0: Yeah. And it's so important to have that balance, to, to have that balance with the relationship. And a lot of times when people say, oh, I'm dating money, they automatically go, you know, to that, the dirty mind. It's like, it has nothing to do with that. If you think about, you know, we date our our children, we date our best friends, you know, yeah. you think about spending time with somebody, that's a date, right? You put it in your calendar and you meet with that person, you give them your undivided attention. You know, one of the things like, you know, when I, when I go into, uh, you know, I guess, Rustland, when I start scrolling social media mindlessly, I'll see these videos of these couples sitting at um, the, you know, restaurant at the dinner table, and they're both looking at their phones. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, how are you two connecting? Like, put those phones away. You're on a date and you're not even talking to each other. And this is what happens with our money you Know, we expect money to perform and to multiply and to, and to take care of all of our needs and wants, but we're not even paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. So, and I was guilty of it for many years. I didn't pay attention. I was, you know, had everything on auto pay. I love setting up money buckets and then auto drafting all of my investments, all the, you know, bills. I had a money bucket for the fixed expenses, the flexible, all the fun money. Right. And so, like, I would look at my, my, uh, net my pay stub and my net check. And I'd be like, this is all I have. Like, what do you mean? You know, and in my forties, I started rocking up debt. I loved 0% credit cards. And then I was just like, you know, in this roller coaster, self-sabotaging and not feeling worthy and thinking what's wrong with me and realizing that I wasn't paying attention to money. And I was ghosting money and giving money the silent treatment. And not paying attention and when i sat down and paid attention it's just like wow i have a million dollars yeah i have a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt but i have over a million dollars and like i i've done great things like wh- why haven't i been celebrating this and recognizing yes. the fact that like so many people believe they don't have any money and i love you know my clients will when we create their wealth activation roadmap and they start looking at their assets they're like i had no idea i had this much money and I laughed because a couple of them had money stashed in their house. I'm like, please go put that money in a bank, in an online banking account that earns at least 4% interest, yeah. <laughs> and not, not, in a, not in a hometown bank that only earns 0. 0.5. But they were shocked. They were like, I had no idea. No, because you're focused on griping and complaining, and that's exactly what you have. So really our thought process, getting into that subconscious and tapping into it, being mm-hmm. aware of those thoughts and saying, okay, why do I why am I doing this? Like, what is driving me to act this way? And what is, what's the feeling I feel when I'm doing this? So it's so valuable. I love what you're doing. Tell us a little bit more about what you do, who you work with
1: so i work with women um, that that is just like my heart of hearts it's been like that since i was in college and it just has never stopped so i work with women who are ready to reach their next level in their lives like this is my passion so that means if you've been in the process of healing yourself and you're kind of past the group settings and past the therapy and you're like, okay, but I'm ready for something more because it feels like you're at the edge of something vastly amazing. That's where I come in. So it's my, like I said, I love working with the subconscious and it is like my absolute passion to observe and watch these women turn into the most amazing warrioresses goddesses ever. That's why the name of the company is your soulful goddess. It's not because I am right. Although I am, but it's because I see (laughs) that power and that God is in every single woman I come across. And I believe that a lot of us have spent way too much time giving our power away. So for me, the act of mindful sovereignty is one of the most amazing tools. That and self-seduction, those are my two key essences. This is how we get what we get. We get expansion, we get abundant, we get loved. We get all of the things that are meant for us and we break all of the shackles From the past, all of the toxic patterns, the relationships, the things that no longer serve us. And we get really brave and really uncomfortable because I'm sure you know this, but really taking those leaps into true wealth is super uncomfortable. So we do those things together and we just catalyze everything that is underneath the surface. So that is and and I work with women mostly because it's again, it's for me, the heart of the goddess has been waiting for so long to be spoken of. It's not something that we've spoken of freely. It's something that we're still kind of like shy about. And it's something that it's, it's within each and every one of us. All of us, sort of speaking of those archetypes again, all of us have it in us to be every single essence of that divine feminine in a way that is not, this is my biggest pet peeve, that is not just meek and subservient and quiet and kind and ethereal and floaty and delicate. Like if I could just disappear all of that knowledge from our minds. I totally would. Because there is, for me, it's the power of the lioness. It's the one that is, in fact, the, you know, that huntress, the one that is bringing in the most abundance into her realm. That is what we step into. So in a very poetic way, that is who I serve and how I do it.
0: I love it. It's beautiful. What's the best financial tip that you've implemented in your life that that has helped you level up that you'd like to share with the audience?
1: so two things for me the first one is obviously date your money but like sincerely like seduce it make love to it like have a really good relationship with it not just like on the surface and then I'm going to pay my bill and then hide and then pretend that I don't have anything else to do with this world because I used to do that but so that would be the first and then the second is to really get curious as to what that relationship to self is like in connection to money. In other words, do I believe that I am a really, like I'm out of bounds in my life for desiring to live my life completely? And if so, then my relationship to money is going to reflect that. Mm -hmm. And do I believe that I'm never going to get out of this? And if so, then my relationship with money is going to reflect that. And the inner knowing that, I promise you, and this is the hardest one to understand, but I promise you, no matter what happens, you are always going to be okay. That is the hardest one to really sink your teeth into, because it's like, no, obviously not. <laughs> that's not a, that's not a thing. But take it from someone who's been sort of like at that very bottom end and leaned into that very hard and just gone, Okay, what if everything did fall apart for like a while? And I'm more than okay. I'm like thriving. So I promise that no matter what happens, you will be okay.
0: Yes, absolutely. And when you have a plan in place, it all comes out perfectly because our purchases should have a purpose and what we invest in, what we focus on grows. So thank you. So much Safa for being here. For those of you who are listening, please check the show notes, connect with Safa, especially if you're ready to go to that next level with your relationship with yourself, because you know, it all starts with you. If you don't love you, how can anyone else love you? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And remember everything that you do, you get to choose. It's you get to do this and all the moves that you're making money moves, moves in your relationship, all have a purpose. And when you focus on the result that you want and reverse engineer it, you get to have it. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it. Hey, 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 thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire. With a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system, you get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it.